0: Here, the old gods are dead. Wow,
1: nice.
2: Hey you guys, what's up? It's me, Jojo Siwa, and welcome back to the Creepy We
0: Podcast. <laughs> I'm i um, I just went, hi Jojo, and then we just <laughs> continued the whole episode like that.
2: <laughs> I'm Jojo Siwa, and you're Jojo as in like, leave,
0: get up, right
2: You're kind of serving thank you we should always record on a saturday we both kind of slay i think the like lack of the lack of stress oh my god (laughs) i woke up at 7 a.m today inside of five and i feel like i'm on crack happy saturday listeners even though it's not going to be saturday when you listen
0: hope you're having a shite wed i know you're having a shite wednesday (laughs) when you listen to this happy hump day
2: (laughs) happy hump day happy commute (laughs) Hope you enjoy your commute home from work, where there's probably going to be traffic and you're going to be stuck.
0: Liam commutes, has anybody ever heard?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You mean you commute as well, kind of. You drive.
0: Aye, but like I start at a specific time and leave at a specific time so I never encounter any traffic. That's true. Lest I be stuck behind a tractor when I go through the fields of Fife back to my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: that is so... that's an image. I can imagine you are a very angry driver. I don't think I've ever been driven anywhere by you.
0: I'm not... sometimes like when I'm on my own, I don't know, I actually get vocally like road rage or anything like that, but see if there are other people in my car and somebody does something dangerous on the road because not only is my life in peril but other people's I do get like a bit angry
2: How do you feel about cyclists?
0: See this is the thing, when I drive home for my work like there's a purpose built cycle path on like this relay, it's like a nice country road kind of thing and none of the cyclists ever use it, they just cycle on the road and it's quite a tight road for cars so I'm like in that instance, yes I hate cyclists, sorry to any cyclists
2: silly geeks,
0: anyway uh, what mundane chat commutes and cyclists <laughs> the, only, <laughs> the only update that I have is that I went to see Scream 6 and it is the best film I've ever seen since Megan
2: it's been a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, no genuinely like as we've spoken about before I like to have a full cinematic experience <laughs> when I go to the cinema and like uh, Scream's my favourite franchise of films And me and my girlfriend were, like, up the back, like, oh my god, and, like, grabbing on each other and shit. It was class. Anyway, what have you been up to?
2: Um, redefining the English language.
0: As a Scotsman often does.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, because, like, you know how people, like, say, like, bollick when something is annoying? Yeah, well, I was, like, people think that's vulgar and they hate when people say it. So, recently... (laughs) Saw a packet of spinach and I was like, oh my god, spinach, like ACH at the end. That's kind of like ache. Um anyway, I was like, but then bollick has an E. So I was like, what well, could I make it? So recently when I've been like describing something as a bollick I've been saying balache. It's <laughs> such a balache. <laughs> and then no one can be like mad at me, but then when I explain it, I'm like you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> How do you say bully
2: <laughs> Fuck off Cezanne Marguerite, you're from fucking Montreal.
0: <laughs> that is trending on TikTok right now. The most popular girls in school, if you have not been educated, please go on to YouTube and educate yourself.
2: Oh God, literally, it's fundamentally changed me and also is the catalyst for what got me interested in like, really stupid, like observational comedy. Yeah. Like, I think it kind
0: of made me a pro in that.
2: (laughs) It's perfect. It's like the perfect series. Saison Marguerite is like the perfect character.
0: Is it Brittany the one who always yells? I like her the best. Yeah. I like it that she sounds like she smokes.
2: (laughs) I like them all. They are all so important. (laughs) Oh my god, I get so emotional thinking about this show. Like this and Jemay the private school girl are two such important pieces of media to me
0: (laughs) you can tell by listening to this podcast that that's the case (laughs) Um, again we've both got like two really stupid questions to ask each other normally it would just be one but mine's is like mine's is a quick fire one and what i want you to do is open up safari and pick your most embarrassing uh, tab that's open and tell me what it is (laughs) i've got like 40 million tabs open one of them is Katie Mellower, 2003 high-res stock photography.
2: <laughs> One of mine is just entitled Virginia Woolf Death. um, Because I wanted to, like I was telling a story and I was like, is that true? I think that's true. But I was like, surely not Virginia Woolf and Sylvia Plath. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> um, complex women, I guess. Um,
0: yeah.
2: And then all... I have like an embarrassing one, it's just Synth eBay.
0: (laughs) 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 What time were you up till when you opened that tab?
2: (laughs) Oh, that was a a Commute Homes open tab and I woke up and it was still open I was like I wonder if the train conductor walked past me, saw that I was looking up synthesizers on eBay and was like, hmm, figures.
0: (laughs) Uh, um, I've got another tab open being like when does Outlander end?
2: Please God, please
0: and God. then was disappointed when I reopened this tab to see that there's a prequel.
2: <laughs> what? Yeah, how is that possible? They're, they're
0: making more. Who the fuck is watching this?
2: How is it possible that there's a prequel? I don't get how that is logistically possible based on the plot of the show. It's about time travel. How can you prequel time travel?
0: I, I think it's a bit like a character that's in the books, their young life. Like who the fuck cares, mm. Boar?
2: Yeah. I also have just the wikipedia article for listerine relevant to this episode actually is it yeah <laughs> uh
0: all right what's your stupid question
2: what was my stupid question oh if you could get like a stupid tattoo what would you get
0: are we picking like one one normal one stupid
2: yeah one good one one silly one
0: because <laughs> that, because like i'm i have many stupid tattoo ideas but i will fulfill them <laughs> like I don't, I do not care. I don't look at any of my tatties. Um, probably the most stupid one, although it's sentimental to me, is Baby Snoopy getting it added to my sleeve. <laughs> my my sleeve that I have is like quite. It's got Laura Palmer on it. It's got a couple of Taro. That
2: one is so. I love that one. It's so good. Who did it?
0: A apprentice actually called Mark from I'm going to get him today another one on me i want and then for my serious one so baby snoopy silly or a wee pint of guinness and then (laughs) for my serious one i've got a space like on the back of my sleeve and i'm i think it's like the perfect size to get our lewis chessman so i'm gonna get that
2: that's baby what's Um, your stupid um... one Okay, so my stupid one is a tramp stamp on my lower back that says oh, "ball games." <laughs> please, please get that. Like that's really funny. I won't get it, but like, I just wish I would. I wish you would. I know, but like, my body's changing. I'm getting older, and I have to <laughs> make sure that I'm like done before I get. It. <laughs> you that's know? not wanna...
0: something I'm gonna apologize for. I'm not gonna apologize
2: for that. <laughs> um. Yeah so my body's changing so i'm not getting that yet but then again i feel like that's a good area because it's like how saggy can it get you know
0: i think that place can i say is perfect i think that's what's so great about bit tramp stamps
2: <laughs> my serious one i always wanted like i love the song venice bitch by lana d'ore and i always wanted like fear fun fear love one on each elbow love because love because that's so faggy yeah. That's gay with a capital.
0: Venice key. Bitch is probably my favourite Lana Del Rey song. It's like Venice, Venice Bitch then Ride, I Mine think.
2: is like Norman fucking Rockwell then Venice Bitch then Ride. And people are like, that's so basic, why are you not picking like her unreleased Lizzie Grant stuff? And I'm like, the hits are the hits, you know? <laughs> it's a hit for a reason.
0: When folk are like, oh, you only like their popular music and it's like, well, Dreams it's Fleetwood Mac's best song and so is it, everywhere, it's so... A hit. It is a
2: hit and that is why it's their best song. <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes people will say, like, their favourite song by an artist, and I'm like, you're such a fucking liar, Camille. Like, mm-hmm. what? Oh my god, it's so embarrassing, and it, it makes me cringe every time, and it's always when people are drunk at a party, and I'm like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I'm such a, like, judgmental cunt. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, another tattoo I want is like the entirety of the ride monologue, like down my side <laughs> that's, that's art
0: That'll go down to your ankle Very You nice. might as well start it's it on your, on your cheek, run down your neck and your side and then go to your feet
2: It's like that guy that has all of the like track listings for Taylor Swift on his back And now he's running out of space You know this, right? Mm-hmm.
0: No, I'm shocked. That's like a serial killer thing today. Have you Albert. ever seen this? It's
2: the guy with Miley Cyrus tattoos as well.
0: Oh my god, I, I wouldn't. I can. I've got like Laura Palmer tattooed on my arm, but like I'm never. I would never, ever, ever get like a high res like image like a celebrity.
2: My dad. My dad. <laughs> Am I showing you my dad's Henrik Larsson? <laughs>
0: Your dad's Henrik Larson tattoo. Who does it look like? Because it doesn't
2: look like Henrik Larson. Because, well, it does. It does. It's just when he doesn't shave his arm, it gets obscured a bit. But whenever, when, when he's been in America, people are like, is that Barack Obama?
0: <laughs> Speaking of embarrassing things, no, your dad's Henrik Larson tattoo. Of course, that's not embarrassing. Um, like last episode, it was revealed that I mispronounced Squidward as Squigward mm-hmm. and I put on our Instagram story I was like, say something more embarrassing than this, like make me feel better and people yeah. submitted their and they did <laughs> they, and they and they did make me feel better and we we are gonna <laughs> we are gonna read them out uh, I don't think we told anybody that we're actually reading them out but um, free use, you sent them in <laughs> we'll not name you at least
2: <laughs> it, it's really funny and I really appreciate them all
0: Right, so starting off with what I think is the least embarrassing is that a listener sent in that they said, the Madonna song, Time Goes By, I misheard as Time Goes By, which fair, I think that's a very fair misheard lyric, and then one of my pals wrote in we're levelling up a bit here pushed myself on the bus to in terms when I was 13 <laughs> I know that, I didn't I did ask him but I can, that was on a school trip, I have a feeling that that must have been on a school trip to Otton Towers.
2: <laughs> this one is really funny because I feel like my mum has told a very similar story to this because she's from Oban, uh, but the person said, I grew up on the west coast and thought clouds were blue and the sky was grey until I was about <laughs> eight or nine. And that one is funny but also kind of sad because I can imagine thinking that being from like this region of the world. So someone said, (laughs) so they like grew up in the US, I believe, is the context of this story. And they said, not embarrassing, with their whole chest, set, started this off, not embarrassing, but I thought I invented gay marriage as a kid. (laughs) And then they said, ally behavior. And I was like, that is embarrassing. Don't sell yourself short. That's really funny and really embarrassing. (laughs) But I really
0: thought I invented well. gay marriage. Like in that heat <laughs> or it's like the actual concept. I
2: <laughs> don't know. Cause I was like, because they're talking about they're in the US and I was like, did they think they like got the bill passed, like personally, like they manifested it?
0: Please give us more detail. <laughs> so the last thing that we have is a funny story that somebody emailed in to us. So this person wrote in saying I just heard a great story from my mate this evening at the pub. My friend works as a warden at Holyrood Palace and was on a shift in the, co- in the main gallery this week and heard some commentary from a visitor. The visitor was walking through the portrait gallery and naming each Stuart monarch. So he's like walking past him and he's pointing and he's like, Charles the first, Charles the second, and then he gets to James the sixth and he just goes, gay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It just moves on. I want to know what date this was, because it feels which like me listener, so
0: far. Which <laughs> listener went
2: to the Hollywood Palace? Mary Queen of Scots on Twitter.com. This was you.
0: They go on to say, my friend had to hold in their laughter and remain professional, but was very much in agreement. Thought you would all enjoy this. I enjoyed that. Good to see your influence out there in the world, even if it wasn't us, but I have a hard time believing it.
2: Yeah, that is like... M- like my words coming out of someone else's mouth
0: <laughs> our like, influence
2: <laughs> it could easily have been one of us
0: <laughs> no way to segue this this episode's gonna be a bit body snatching, but no your typical Birkin hair we have Liam to thank for a creative episode idea <laughs> uh, so we'll take a wee break <laughs> we'll talk about body snatching.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: So like any good body snatching story, we have to put the pressure on medical advancement for thanking them for the reason behind it. Scotland was not a particularly easy place for surgeons to learn. Back in the olden times, not that olden times, like a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> Although Scots are like justifiably proud of their countrymen's achievements in the medical field, or those that are attributed to Scottish people, I actually watched a really interesting TikTok <laughs> the other day on a girl like talking about how Western people, specifically like white Western people, love to like be proud of the achievements of their ancestors and pull out the well you wouldn't have this if it weren't for us Mm -hmm. but then they also like to do the whole you can't blame me for the sins of my ancestors like that wasn't me things have changed so it's very i can't remember the user's name but it was really well articulated much more thought-provoking than i'm doing it justice right now but i always think about this when we do episodes like this and we're like the person who invented this and i'm like the person who gets credit definitely yeah but like
0: it's, or it's they definitely
2: had a hand in it
0: it's one of the things especially i think we've spoken about this before like scottish people obviously scottish people invented loads of stuff um, including
2: capitalism
0: and, yeah and folk love to brag about that but like one that we often brag about is like oh we invented the telephone and, and uh... alexander graham bell was uh, like he believed in eugenics and it's not
2: the sleigh you think it is,
0: Aye, like, and I think, like, his big beef was with deaf people, which is uh, crazy <laughs> to think I
2: didn't know that!
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean,
2: insane! And
0: then, I mean, probably white supremacy amongst other things, but it's just something to put into perspective. When you're talking about, like, bragging about Scottish people invented this, Scottish people invented that, it's often, there's layers to it.
2: Nonetheless, especially in Edinburgh, there's a huge, like, Culture of like contribution to medicine. Like it's, it is a hub of like medical advancement and it has been for a long time. Glasgow as well. So many famous doctors from here attributed to inventing things, although they can't always like go the full way. And there's all often scientists behind their back as well that aren't credited to. <laughs> yeah. But um, back to my earlier point about how I was Googling Listerine. Listerine mouthwash is named after. I think a Scottish doctor whose surname Mm. is Lister or something.
0: That is such a good fact.
2: Uh, Yeah. uh, Oh, named after Joseph Lister who pioneered antiseptic surgery at the Glasgow Royal Infirmary in Scotland.
0: Love. That's such a good fact.
2: I learned that. So when I was doing my undergrad, I had like a, we had like an icebreaker with all the supervisors during our project where it was just everyone getting drunk and doing like a little quiz over zoom. (laughs) <laughs> as you did back in the day a couple of years ago and one of my lecturers whipped out that fact and i was like noted i'll not using this at a later date <laughs> because this was like just after we had finished just after we'd started the podcast i think yeah or just before and i was like this seems relevant to me <laughs> other famous medical advancements by scottish people are sir james young simpson who's accredited with the first determined use of chloroform in operating theatres and of course Sir Alexander Fleming who if you're paying attention in secondary school uh, (laughs) discovered penicillin. Although I have a lot to say about this (laughs) because he did but like my favourite bit about it is like there's there's a joke about how doctors aren't scared of being in the lab but they're not necessarily good at it (laughs) and he discovered it by by by
0: accident. accident.
2: Because he was doing, so he was doing like bacterial culturing of, I think it was Staphylococcus aureus.
0: This is hot, (laughs) And
2: then he had like a a growth of a penicillium fungus that shouldn't have been there. If his antiseptic technique had been slightly better, it wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Um, So sometimes your greatest incompetence can be your sexiest sleigh. (laughs) Um, But yeah,
0: some people do say though that Alexander Fleming was a bit. Like he was a bit embarrassed and he was a bit shy so he just made up the story that he discovered it by accident by going to like a colleague being like look look at this look what happened accidentally i had no idea this would happen and then his colleagues were the ones that like went to like gas it up because he was too he was shy, too shy. He so was there's shy. like two different there's two different versions i heard that on this podcast will kill you
2: but yeah another thing is like he discovered it But he doesn't have the chemistry, like, know how to isolate the active ingredient. So like penicillin releases like penicillium, which is the antibiotic product. And it was actually an Australian chemist, I believe, in London who figured out how to mass produce it and isolate the compound. So it's not like entirely Alexander Fleming gets the credit. And it's not like people weren't researching in fields like that already.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Food for thought. <laughs> I love when people make mistakes and it turns out fine. Like it gives me, like it makes me think. Like, damn, maybe when I make mistakes, it's not that bad because I might accidentally discover something. <laughs> so yeah, to get to the place of having all these medical advancements, there had to be a lot of inhuman sort of like testing and stuff, or like discovery of like mm. anatomy and such, and which was quite a hard thing to do. Back in the day in Scotland, it wasn't always very, it wasn't, we didn't always have the things we have now. And people couldn't like just donate their body to medical science, <laughs> which is wild to me to this day. Like I'm, I don't just, it keeps me in a job, <laughs> I I just, it, it's so baffling to me. But yeah, for centuries, the Kirk held back advances in medieval Scotland, um, because they held the belief that all illnesses were governed by uh the four humors which are blood phlegm black bile and
0: yellow bile yellow
2: yeah. bile which is so <laughs> it's so like Whimsical. fantastic yeah i love the four humors <laughs> i love i've recently in recent years become a person who loves to say like oh i have a problem with my black bile like i'm just not feeling good <laughs> But I didn't always be like that because I would never- like when you- if you hear black bile, if someone's like shitting out black bile you think like oh my god you have like a burst ulcer or something in your stomach like you're gonna die.
0: I'm thinking plague.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but then, so when I first started dating my boyfriend, he he was sick one time and I was like what's, what's going on, like what's the symptoms and he was like oh it's just my- it's just black bile. And he meant as in the four humours. <laughs> because he has like a very dry, like very horrible sense of humor. But then he saw me starting to panic. And I was like, "Oh my god, go to the, go to, to Amy," <laughs> because it sounds like you've like burst an ulcer. Or "Oh my god, go to Amy." He let me like go on like this for like half an hour, and then he was like, he just sent me a screenshot of the four humors, and I was like, "That's literally not funny." <laughs> Him
0: and then your mum are cut for the same cloth. Apparently, no,
2: I always yeah. I, I was thinking this the other day, I was like, you know, the the Freudian theory of men end up with their mothers. I, I was like, that'll never happen to me because like, gay, and, and lo and behold, <laughs> you, you can't keep being right. <laughs> yeah. So back, back to the point at hand, I love a segue. I love to not talk about what I'm supposed to be talking about if anyone hasn't noticed. Yeah. So because of these strongly held beliefs from the church um any attempts to further advance medicine was actively discouraged and like viewed as sort of sacrilege or like a mortal sin because like there's an extent to which you're playing god there's actually ethical concerns like this still going on right now so according to the church you couldn't like deface bodies or anything or like take anything out after death because for judgment day coming the body had to be whole yeah you wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven effectively so would-be doctors were prevented from studying human anatomy because of these religious beliefs and obviously medical advancement was put on kind of a halt because of that and even in terms of surgical techniques people were very restricted in what they were actually allowed to do it took a while for people to even be allowed to like for traumatic head injuries be able to like drill in and like relieve pressure
0: christ
2: like so you weren't allowed to like the whole like doctors like Archaic, do no harm, yeah, like slogan, which is like fair enough, like, yeah, but then they had to like watch people suffer who they had some knowledge to help die in front of them.
0: It's and, amazing like, that, just... that this is happening like again, like where I don't know if I'll keep this in or no, but like like the abortion reformations that are yeah. happening in America, where it's like oh we we must let this fetus survive, even if it's at the sacrifice of the mother,
2: yeah, it's literally like archaic I, I i just it frustrates me to no end because like i like to try and empathize with where people are coming from and to an extent i can see where arguments are coming from but there's some things that i just like i can't even put myself in the situation where i would think like that like i just don't get it fundamentally like it's just completely disagrees with what i like it's believe. because it's
0: getting to the point of nonsense where it's like if a person who's pregnant has an abortion we can put them on trial for murder and they can face the death penalty
2: literally like i i don't see i don't see her like those two things are like it's just wild it's just wild to me <laughs> but yeah it's very sad very frustrating and we are not qualified enough to go into it any deeper than we already have really um but I think it's very obvious where we stand on the map (laughs) but yeah but I do also I'm I'm sorry I do also hate the term like pro-abortion I don't think anyone is like pro like yeah the ideology of like abortion
0: I think that's a thing made up by right-wing people though because literally we're pro-choice
2: although it's a lot like it's like a lot of things where it's like you are pro-choice but then because you're hearing the right-wing pundits say things like pro-abortion all the time Mm-hmm. Like you then are hearing, like you're hearing it so much that people who are actually pro-choice and they're not like, they're not like saying everyone should get an abortion. Like this is how right-wing spin on it is. Like everyone should get an abortion. You think everyone should just do it all the time? And I'm like, if they want to, but like that's not what I want. <laughs> that's not what I think should <laughs> happen. But then people on the left are seeing this on the media, like berated by it, that they are starting to say like, I'm pro-abortion.
1: And yeah like, and it's not
2: no, really what they mean you need to like think about the language you're using a little bit more
0: carefully. you're falling into that trap when you say that exactly
2: you're setting them up for like a like a home run in some ways
0: yeah totally
2: anyway yeah
0: animal carcasses
2: <laughs> animal carcasses yeah so um, a lot of medical advancement kind of like how we do now is made on animal carcasses or like animals finding out anatomy pigs were quite a common one because they have quite a lot of stuff in common with us anatomy wise <laughs> um so like the placements of organs and stuff and um, so you could get like a semi picture but obviously no two animals are the same yeah so you couldn't really entirely say oh this this will work on a human because it's very hard to place it especially because the sizes are different and you have to be very good at like i suppose it's probably here <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah so students would use animal carcasses to practice on. They were also allowed the corpses of felons because obviously because felons they're not getting into heaven anyway so we can use them that's fine. (laughs) But these were also in short supply. Yeah because I know everybody was getting hung. Yeah like a lot of people were left to wither yeah or be tortured for longer because apparently that is dignified practice and that You'll still get into heaven if you're doing that to someone, but hey ho. And because of this short supply of the felons, they were often cut into separate sections to allow, there's no dignity in this. Like there's no dignity awarded to the, to the, to the dead person. Like this is so barbaric. They were cut into sections so that multiple students could use. The body, there was no respect paid to it.
0: Larger surface area isn't it? Like you're not even thinking in the of as a human at that point.
2: And obviously this was a far from perfect way to learn but it's all people had for a very very alarmingly long amount of time. However in Edinburgh, things opened up a bit in 1694, surgeons were also allowed to use the bodies of abandoned children who died betwixt the time they were weaned and they're being put to schools and trades so like they weren't a full adult because they weren't allowed to be sent to like workshops yet yeah but they were also born, they were alive yeah and they weren't, they were separate from their mother, like they weren't rearing
0: yeah anymore. so it's like, it's like children that have died before going to the poor house but still in an orphanage yeah. so they're under the care of the state care and quotations Yeah, i will be like it's any orphan that has died. Yeah. Um, so it could just be like Faye dying in the cold, in the bad conditions in orphanages or polio or tuberculosis, anything like that in this period. Uh, they're not killing them, but the conditions that they were living in did not make it easy to live.
2: <laughs> and also there was a lot of like back alley trades of like dead orphans going on yeah. because of this rule. And they were also and in Aberdeen A few years later, they also allowed surgeons to use the bodies of people who had died friendless and in the poor house.
0: I wonder, like these people who died in these poor houses, or these orphan children who died, before being given over to science, do you think that they were given funeral rights? Oh. Food for thought. Yeah. I certainly don't. Maybe the children, but for especially... The
2: felons, definitely not.
0: The felons, definitely not. I mean, they would have got, like, a right... Like the Lord's prayer as they were hung, usually. Um which would be, that would that would be about it. But for these orphans, I really hope, but
2: you would hope that at least the people that were like learning from them like said a little banks or something.
0: I mean it goes in a dark and twisted route very fast, the trade yeah. bodies. So I very much doubt the medical students yeah. were feeling particularly bad about it, as we'll go on to say.
2: Lovely stuff. However, the number of medical students grew and so too did the demand for cadavers. Finally students took matters into their own hands and adopted more covert, more sinister ways of obtaining study tools. Some students did their own dirty work, creeping into graveyards and such and digging up the dead bodies which is WILD, like I cannot imagine, Like people back in the day were like, insane. Like I could not imagine having the stomach. (laughs)
0: Like they would be (laughs) looking for like fresh graves and they would be looking in the papers to see like who died.
2: Like reading the obituary page like a vulture (laughs) is insane. (laughs) The more wild part like it, it keeps it gets worse. The deceased's clothes were often left behind in the grave because although lifting the body was frowned upon but there was no like legislation in place fully outlawing it the removal of clothes from the site would be considered theft there was more respect paid to the clothes and the belongings of the bodies than the bodies themselves which is batshit insane
0: we live in a material society
2: (laughs) madonna was right Some would do it themselves, but others were more reluctant to get their hands dirty or maybe didn't have the stomach for it, as I said, but were still desperate to like learn, I guess. They thought science was fun. They wanted to learn. <laughs> so they would form unholy alliances and allow other people to do the dirty work for them. This is where the, the trade of body snatching began.
0: Resurrectionists as they were known. That's such a cool name. The Four yeah. Humours and The Resurrectionists. That's two band names that you've got. I was literally- <laughs>
2: <laughs> I should open up a comedy club called The Four Humours.
0: That's such a good idea. Maybe our podcast network will be called The Four Humours.
2: Like a bar with a small stage that has an open mic night called The Four Humours.
0: Some bar owner in Edinburgh's guys steal that fucking idea. We've said it, so it's copyrighted.
2: Yeah, that's what's it called, uh, intellectual property?
0: Yeah, it's because we're literally speaking it into existence and it's recorded and it will be published.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, it's legally binding! I love that you did a legal course for a while.
0: (laughs) So the trade body snatching has begun and not all of these new entrepreneurs restricted themselves to stealing the bodies of the dead. Enter the summary, seventeen fifty one in Edinburgh. A needlewoman woman called Helen Torrance first offered a cadaver to a surgeon. She was turned in by the medical student because he didn't trust her because she wasn't a known supplier. She just hit the streets,
2: <laughs> saw a medical student, and went. Anyone want a body? <laughs> <laughs> That's wild.
0: The student later regrets this decision. Uh, a cadaver is a cadaver after all, and beggars can't be choosers. And a couple of months later, he finds Helen and offers to treat some sores on her leg in return for a body to be used for dissection. She agreed, promising to have one the next day as her neighbour, Jean Waldey, was performing a vigil over a dead child that night and they would bribe the mum into letting them take the corpse. What? It sounded really legit and the student agreed. There was only one issue. The child wasn't actually dead yet. Eight-year-old John Dallas was definitely sick. He had suffered for a glandular condition for four years that had left him deaf, speechless, and so weak that he was unable to leave the house. But he was improving. His hearing was gradually returning, and he was learning to communicate through sign language. His father wasn't interested, and he left the care of the boy and the rest of the family to their alcoholic mother, Janet Johnston. So we've got three players here. We've got Helen Torrance, Jean Walde, and Janet Johnston. Janet Johnston is the mummy John Dallas. With John still alive, Helen realised that she had maybe jumped the gun a bit and promising a corpse the fully in day. And mm. when she didn't turn up with the agreed cadaver, two medical students for the university banged on her door in Farley's close and demanded payment. She lied and told them that the grieving mother had refused to part with her son's body so quickly and promised them another soon. The next day, she recruited her neighbour, Jean Waldy to tell the students that they had possession of a body which was being stored in her home. But she was under suspicion and needed some cash to leave the city until the heat died down. <laughs> and the students agreed and gave her money and went to see Helen again. And she assured them that there was a body, but oops, she couldn't get into Jean's house to collect it. Obviously there was no body and by this time the women had like talked themselves into a corner and they were well aware of this. They needed to find a body and it preferably had to be a young one. And this is when Helen has her light bulb moment about wee sickly John Dallas. She comes up with this plan where she should take John Faye's home and carry him to Farley's close. And given his condition, he would be deep before the journey's end.
2: This is like Wild West. How wait? How when? What year was this? Uh,
0: seventeen fifty Seventeen fifty one.
2: I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a long time ago.
0: I don't know, and because she's already roped Jean into this, she's had Jean lie for her, and they've gave money to Jean. Jean's implicated, so the two women plot to keep the boy's mother, Janet Johnson, occupied whilst Jean nips out and kidnaps oh. the child. Janet had asked helen to make a shirt for her youngest son and when she came to collect it she was offered a drink just to be sociable and because she was an alcoholic obviously she accepted the drink and another and another and another Jean meanwhile had faked being sick and had retired to her room upstairs so helen good friend that she was felt the need to check on her every noon again leaving janet alone with the ball intentionally gone upstairs to make sure that janet would can't she's an alcoholic she has an addiction and she can't help herself so she becomes really inebriated really fast
2: so you're like manipulating this woman's disease to steal her child to sell sell her child's that's wild
0: this is a sad story so Helen goes upstairs and tells Jean the good news that Janet has like she's basically blackout drunk so Jean sneaks out The coast is clear and she goes to the tenement, the the Dallas's, and she lured John Dallas to his bed and into the night. As Helen predicted, by the time that he reached Farley's close, the wee, weak boy was dead. The women had agreed a deposit of two shillings and tenpence for the body, plus a further three shillings when they were unable to hide the corpse safely, so Helen who's a big, strong woman, wrapped it in her apron and carried it herself to the room of the physician's apprentice, Andrew Anderson. There it was stored under the bed, and she received another sixpence for the trouble of bringing it to him. Uh, this is all gone on in the old town. So, like, yeah. the students are living up at the university... And feel what I can gather where Farley's close and stuff is. This is kinda like they're doing at the cowgate. So it's, it's not out-
2: upstairs, downstairs. Something.
0: Aye. So they're just yeah. walking through the closes in the middle of the night and getting away with it. Nobody's
2: just like covered in a sheet or something, or like in a cart.
0: And in, in an ape she's got him wrapped him wrapped in the apron. Jean brings the body to Helen. Helen Can't he find anywhere to hide the body. She puts it in her apron and just goes, well, fuck it, I'm going to go to the medical students and get this our way. So she's given another sixpence for the trouble and all in all, it's a very profitable night's work. Meanwhile, the mum, Janet, had made her way home and found that her son's bed was empty. When her husband found out that she had been out drinking with her cronies whilst the son had gone missing, he was fuming and he chucked her out. Naturally, she turned to her pal Helen and the fine Christian woman that she was took her in. It was whilst she was staying with Helen that night that heard the two arguing her money. So they're bickering about the profit that they've made off of her deed son, and she hears it. Uh. Helen lied and said that she had made an apron that hadn't been paid for by Jean's husband, but the now sober Janet was unconvinced, and she found this quite suspicious.
2: I mean, she sobered up quite fast. To be I
0: sure. mean, alcohol wasn't as potent as it is now.
2: That's true. <laughs> All meads and beers and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't like she was on off really.
0: <laughs> on top of this a neighbour had also seen Helen whilst she had John wrapped up in her apron and she was gone to the like she was gone through all the tenements and the courses on the way to the medical students and she actually stopped to have a conversation with the neighbour who's seen her so she's got something wrapped in her apron and the neighbour is talking to her and obviously once John goes missing and everybody hears about it the neighbor's like oh I seen Helen word spread through the tenements that Helen Torrance had kidnapped the Dallas boy although no one yet knew that he was already dead and was lying under the bed of a medical student it wasn't there for long though and the physician's apprentice had moved it into an empty room in the cowgate where it was laid on a slab and prepared for dissection by the time that the news of the abduction and Helen's alleged involvement reached the doctors and the students, they had already sliced the little boy open along the lower abdomen and were preparing for further probing. When they realised that they had been party to child murder, they hastily sewed him back up before dumping the corpse in a close off a Liberton wind. Torrance and Waldy were quickly arrested and blamed each other for the murder. This is similar to what happened with Birkin here.
2: Yeah. It got out of hand very fast.
0: Ah yeah, they're both blaming each other, but the smarter ones believes. In this case, though, when they're blaming each other it did them no good whatsoever, as they were both found guilty of murder and sentenced to hang. Helen attempted to escape the noose by claiming that she was pregnant and by close examination by a team of midwives was proved to be lying. She and her accomplice were led to the gallows on the grass market on the eighteenth of march seventeen fifty two. On the scaffold, Jean repented for her crimes, but continued to heap the blame on Helen, not dignified. Mm. (laughs) She said that she had been drunk when Helen talked her into the plan, claiming that the young Dallas boy must have been smothered under her clothes as she carried him through the streets and that she didn't intend to murder him. However, she agreed that her execution was warranted since she had been responsible. Helen though warned the spectators against the perils of drunkenness bad company and uncleanliness the noose was then placed around their necks and they were the first two convicted body snatchers who were executed
2: and rightfully so I mean okay this is a obviously a very like gruesome story kind of a departure from what we normally do because I
0: think, I think we've spoke about like true true crimey stuff like once
2: a, a bit hypocritical because we kind of slate true crime uh but when i briefly glanced over this story i didn't want to spoil it too much because i thought you would be doing the actual telling of the story part so i didn't want to spoil it for myself hearing it but my brief skim of it i thought it was important like i thought there there was there's an important place for a story like this for a couple reasons because i do genuinely find true crime kind of gruesome and kind of uh some a very sinister sort of voyeurism almost yeah, um, but a story like this, first of all, it's very easy to see how this sort of like these this lower class of people were very desperate in a time like this in, yeah in the, in this era. The medical student also knew this wasn't an orphan child. all the medical advancements of this time are like celebrated and stuff, and these medical students are rarely implicated. In the crimes. They're rarely seen as bad guys of the story, but they knew what they were doing. They knew exactly where they were getting yeah, this stuff they from.
0: Yeah, they knew. Even though they didn't account it was going to be child murder, they were going to be buying the corpse, say a young boy. Like it's still from not his ethical. Family. Yeah, it's still not ethical at all.
2: Um, yeah. And they're rarely implicated. And there's a very strong sense of like classism that runs through stories like this Burke and Hare and how yeah. it's very sinister to me. And so I thought that was a very interesting thing to talk about for that reason. I also thought it was interesting in the sense of, um, like I said earlier, we have like the ethical dilemmas of like stem cells and like mouse models and stuff right now. And it's like, um, it's very, um, there's a lot of doom and gloom at the moment, but recently uh, America sort of like they passed a law that the FDA I think said that um, testing for drugs don't need to be in animal models anymore. So we've gone from a place of people selling bodies of children, in a couple hundred years, gone from the place of people selling bodies of children to like, even mice don't need to be used anymore, like showing respect yeah. to even like, smaller, lesser civilised inver- no vertebrate animals, which I find kind of reassuring in many ways.
0: Yeah, I think when you're discussing Something like this. Obviously, we've started it off getting like what the what the situation was that led to people being and like Expert these enough. great medical achievements were built on the back of like Hings mere Sinister because stuff was so limited. And it's an important like this for as gruesome as it is, it's like an important look into what life was like in Edinburgh in the 1600s, to like at least the eight, like the 1800s, late 1800s. Yeah. So it's not really like this, like like perverse voyeuristic look into like the murder of a child. It's like
2: yeah, it's like it's not John Bony Ramsey. It's no, it's not. no.
0: Like there's no theories here. Like people were, poor people were desperate. Medical students were desperate, and this horrible thing happened, and it probably would have been avoided, if the church were not so strict.
2: Yeah. If we didn't believe in like four liquids governing all illnesses, Le- yeah. leeches were kind of like they kind of worked sometimes. Though I, I'll give yeah
0: bloodletting and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's historical murders. I do like obviously like the. Like the discourse on true crime, I like. I mind when we first started this podcast and folk were sending in stories and somebody wanted us to talk about like quite a recent murder, like twenty ten, and I was like, oh, it's like not that kind of show. But
2: yeah,
0: I think when it comes to like historical murders, obviously, like there's less. Well, there's more people affected with the crime who can become upset, which was my main h- my main concern about talking about modern true crime, and also, yeah. there's a lot more to learn. Like I'll um, talk about
2: modern sightings of fairies and shit.
0: Yeah, but I'm not about to talk about like a woman who was brutally murdered by her husband in Scotland. Like yeah. we I need to get into the nitty gritty that
2: I personally am not a person who will listen to things like that or enjoys it. I can understand in some instances people's uh Yeah, interest, I used to it. I used to
0: listen to true crime like quite a lot. Uh like murder and gory stories has been a fascination of mine since i was a child i think i was given like a bookie like serial killers <laughs> like was given to me like in a boxy books for a charity shop and it just became this kind of obsession but i think during the pandemic because things were already quite like dull Dimenglain. and hopeless like i was yeah. like i do not want to listen to this anymore and i can understand why people wouldn't want to listen to this episode in particular but there is a lot to learn about resurrectionists in Edinburgh specifically. Uh, that's been the Creepy Wee Podcast. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at the Creepy Wee Podcast. TikTok is the same, Twitter is the Creepy Pod. Um, if you want to send us more embarrassing stories, you can do it there or you can send us some by email to thecreepyweepodcast at gmail.com and if you want to buy a t-shirt, you don't have to though uh, you can get them on thecreepyweepodcast.co.uk but the best way to support us would be to leave a five star review wherever you listen Thanks
2: Bye What are you waiting for? What that? You have to return to the classics sometimes
1: <laughs> Right, let's stop